Well, hello, everybody. It's uh, it, it's been a little bit. Um, and for those that know, you know why it's been a little bit. Um, I had some very unfortunate family uh, stuff come up uh, almost three weeks ago at this point. Um, so we had to we took a pause on things because there was zero chance I was in the mindset to do anything. Um, and for everybody who is who's been patient with us and waiting for us to come back. Thank you. Uh, that's, you know, it's super nice to know that, uh, you guys do like the audience that you do like the show. We like the audience. We do, but you do like the show. Um, and you do, you do give a crap about, about what we do and, and what happens with, with life. And a lot, you know, everybody seems to understand that, you know, when bad things happen, you, you need a break and your boy needed that time away. And I'll, you know, Doing a show today is is the first thing I've done at all, aside from tweet nonsense, you know, partially uh, since since uh, my mom passed. But uh, but it's it's I have to get back on the horse and I got to get doing some stuff. And I'm glad Lance Lasowski was so patient in in dealing with this and being understanding. And Lance, quick, let, well let's well, let's welcome Lance back in. Hi, Lance. Hi, Joe. Um, no, it's good. It's good to be back. And of course, like, I mean, you thanked everybody. I don't, you know, but it's good. Good to be back. Good. Good to be talking hockey and, uh, glad that, you know, Hey, good that you were able to take your time and, you know, back together, back to not speak about the former Sabres coach that, that, that bit we're dropping it, Joe. That's our, (laughs) that that we're going to drop the bit. And, uh, yeah, things, things started to the maintenance day podcast and, uh, yeah, we could, uh, we could start a new bit because, uh, while, while we were on hiatus, uh, Jack Eichel became the worst person to ever play professional sports in Buffalo, uh, maybe outside of OJ Simpson, uh, which was a really weird turn of events, which watching that from afar and seeing all that play out was really fascinating because, you know, everybody's seen the clip of him going you know, you know, just kind of like having the most cartoon reaction possible to a, to a question from, from Mike Harrington and uh, everybody just going ham on him, like turning heel on the city of Buffalo. And I was like, you know what? I think that, I mean, we didn't plan to get into talking about this because it's ancient history and there's already other podcasts making it their right, their their big deal to to, to I, make that their thing. But I think since we both covered Jack, that I it's a it's a topic that people are probably curious about. I didn't really offer my opinion on social media. I know that I don't. Mm. I haven't seen it if you did in detail, but mm, not I mean, really we've been detail. around Jack. We know, so I, I want to hear your your take on it because I I would like to share my thoughts as well. It's a good <laughs> a good way okay. to start the podcast. <laughs> well, I. The, the thing is like Jack, Jack is a sarcastic guy. Like when it's, you know, when it's questions where it's like, Hey man, let your guard down and just kind of riff. And you know, he's just, he's a smart ass. Like that's, that's what he does. And I, I, you know, you know, to Mike's credit, he gave him the opening to be a smart ass. It's just, it came after a bad loss in a situation that was probably hostile to a degree that I don't think even he was ready for. Which I mean, I don't, you know, I, I was kind of surprised by that myself, but, um, but I, you know, the, the reaction and, you know, everybody made a big deal about how, you know, Tuck kind of skated around him for the empty netter and, you know, Jack's a, you know, we know Jack's a 
he hates losing. He hates losing so much. You know, he wanted that game very badly and you know, it didn't work out. So, I mean, but I mean, like going back and watching it, like being, you know, being at a distance from it and seeing it play out, I was like, Oh, he's just, he's just trying to bust balls and be funny. But people were taking it deadly literally and saying like, this guy hates Buffalo. Now he's the worst. I can't stand. It's like, Jesus, guys, did you see? Did you not see the stuff about? Did you not watch the video during the game of him doing all the charity work that he's that he did? Yeah, a guy like that really hates the city of Buffalo. But you know what? Give him the opportunity to wear the black hat. He's going to wear it with pride now because he's because why should he care? Because he has no reason to care now. And it's it's you know if you need to be if he needed to be separated from from everything from you know his entire history of playing here. He's he's free and clear now because Nate nobody gonna take him back here in Buffalo. Yeah, I think that before this game came, I think that it did bother Jack that when he left, we all know what happened behind the scenes that led to his departure. I think it did bother him that he put mm-hmm. a lot of time in the community, he put years in here, and we all know that a lot of what went wrong here during Jack Heichel's time was not his fault. There was a lot mm-hmm. of mismanagement going on. Um, that's a conversation for another day. So. Yeah. What happened here, just some – the context I think is important is, like you mentioned, Jack hates to lose. Sarcastic, yes. You could see that in the tone of his voice, especially in that that post-game interview. (laughs) But I think that it is a misstep on his part, and I'm sure that he regrets this as well because, let's face it, a lot of the people who bought a ticket to that game that night, they were there to boo Jack Hike. Oh, yeah. They booed him when he was on the ice. Not even when he, he wasn't even touching the puck. Every time yeah. he stepped on the ice, he got booed. Like, that is a special kind of harsh treatment to give somebody. And I think a lot of it is fun. And I think, hey, everybody loves a villain. And uh, the thing about that is post-game, Jack Eichel was not going to speak. Vegas's PR staff was not going to make him available. So this is a very last-minute thing where he got pulled out of the locker room and he probably wasn't prepped for the interview. You know, raw emotion. Mike Carrington, credit to him, got Vegas PR to make him available, and Jack let it loose. Um, and you know what? I think that a lot of it is built up anger about what went on in Buffalo. So I think that, I think like you, you sort of mentioned, alluded to, take it with a grain of salt. It's not like the guy hates Buffalo, but at this point, after what happened, I think, yeah, he's going to lean into it. You know what? When it comes to the National Hockey League, I'm sure it's tough for Buffalo fans to hear something like that, but it's great to have villain. It's everybody needs a villain, right? And it's great personality. And I know as much as I'm sure Jack regrets it because over the years, I know how much time he put into really trying to shape up post-game comments because we've seen it over the years. Mm -hmm. Really raw, really angry, really Mm -hmm. sarcastic, and he could come off the wrong way. So I think all those factors considered at this point, you know, for his sake, I'm sure that you know you wish it kind of went better, but right now yeah. the Sabers couldn't have come out of that better. You know, not nope. only the win. I mean, Tuck and, and Krebs score. Eichel sort of commits a PR no-no by by saying what he said. So, okay, I, yeah, I, you I, know what? The line that he says that you know it's the loudest it's been, and you know loudest it's been in seven years, and it, you know took me you know coming back. You can see the smirk on his face saying this, but. The soundbite, you just listen to the soundbite, you're like, man, fuck that guy. <laughs> I remember 18,000 coming to the, you know, to the rookie camp his first year, blah, blah, blah. Like, okay, guys, listen, you're taking it very literally. He's being very figurative, but it doesn't matter. It does like, it's, it's not worth drowning in that minutia yeah. of trying to say like, no, it's not what he meant. 
he said what he said and now he you know now he gets to run with it now which hey if i'm him i'm tickled i'm absolutely tickled that i can just be like yep no we're good here i'm now i'm a vegas guy for good yeah and hey like sabers fans have the fact that all things considered that trade went extremely well for them i mean who knows Mm -hmm. peyton krebs years down the line draft picks but they got alex tuck i think it was time for a change on both sides jack eichel was playing really well before this recent hand wrist injury mm-hmm. uh good for him but i mean imagine what the, that building's going to be like next year when eichel and the golden knights are in town it's going to be <laughs> hilarious and i think jack's going to lean into it even more but this thing that he still has is like like you mentioned he did a lot of work at roswell park he did a lot mm-hmm. of work in the community in buffalo sort of taking up the the torch that guys who came before him did so good for him. Um, but I think it's good for, for Jack to sort of turn the page, even though he turned it and he sort of ripped the page and yeah. got a few chapters of the book. And, <laughs> yeah. Ripped it up in front of somebody's parents' faces and just was like, take that suckers, yeah. you know, it, like, I think it is important though, to, to, to like you mentioned, like he's not sarcasm was a big piece of that. It really yeah. was. Mm-hmm. Oh, it it, it, I think it caught everybody off guard. No one's ever seen that. He stuffed on the ice. He got booed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I think that that kind of visceral response was, was very odd because what was it? Uh, who was it? Was it 26 shirts or was it one of the other, one of the other hundreds of t-shirt companies in Buffalo that made one that was just, I'm just here to see Jack shirt. I think it was, I think it was Dell in 26 shirts, like a couple, you know, two years ago yeah. or whatever it was. And it was like, yeah, just here to see Jack. The team stinks. And it's like, what a turn of events that people are going to the game. Yeah, I'm just here to see Jack. I'm just here to boo his ass. I don't, think they, were just, I don't think they were just booing Jack. I think they, they're booing 10 years of a playoff drought. And that the failure of the tank and everything that yeah. surrounded that is a big piece of the animosity that they have. Like, so much of the investment of those fans went into Jack Eichel and what was going to go into that rebuild. It didn't mm-hmm. work. And, you know, and it ended in a way they didn't like. So... Hey, Jackson, Vegas, the Golden Knights are kind of a mess as we speak right now. And then mm. they didn't really do anything at the deadline that makes me think anything's going to change. And Joe, we love segues on this podcast. It's Don't we ever. Uh, yeah. The uh, Speaking of deadlines, the trade deadline uh, was a snoozer for the, for the Sabres. And honestly, kind of surprised that that's the case. Uh, Robert Hag went to Florida for a sixth round pick. Uh, what two days ago? What was it? Sunday. Sunday. Saturday. Saturday Sunday. Yeah. Either Sunday. way, it doesn't matter. We knew he was getting. He was the one guy where I, I would have bet every dollar I had that he was going to be traded. Uh, now, granted, I would have done that with a couple other guys on the roster, and I would have been broke uh, had I done that. So I'm glad I didn't because they didn't do anything on deadline day. And you know what? I don't quite get it. Like I do, but I don't. And that's I, I think that's where I get stuck on this because you have young guys that you want to play that you should probably play at the end of the year, and now you don't have any room to you don't have any place to put them in the lineup unless it means pissing off veterans. And I don't think, I mean, granted, I'm not a GM, I'm not a coach, I don't even pretend to play one on the internet, but that doesn't seem like a great idea to me. When you look at Rochester right now, Joe, if you traded any of those veterans, who do you think comes up and takes their spot? Like um, Eakin, for example. Sean Malone healthy? Nah, like not that's quite, that's not, the one guy. Not quite yet. And this 
Adams' staff, that regime does not seem high on R2. Like, R2 would be the guy that I would personally yeah. give a look at as a fourth-line center to see what you got there, since I believe he's an RFA this summer. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't seem like they're real keen on doing that. Hennis Froza, I don't know if he – like, that's the one that – did Granado just want to keep him if the price wasn't right? Like, because he's playing top six minutes right now. If he goes, that's where Quinn slots in. Like Absolutely. Quinn's on second line right wing with Cousins and Krebs, in my opinion, in that scenario. And if you – like, that's the one guy, Hennis Froza, that if you move him, that opens a spot for Krebs. The rest of them, though, it's like – I mean, Samuelson's on this team. Samuelson is going to play every game. He's an NHLer at this mm-hmm. point. And I don't think they're going to deprioritize development time for Bryson and or Fitzgerald now. I think that Pissick and Miller are going to be rotating. I don't think Will Butcher's going to play very much in case there's, unless there's an injury. So mm-hmm. <laughs> that's the only thing when it comes to development. But, I mean, the one that really surprised – two surprised me. Eakin because – I thought he would have more value for the faceoffs and the penalty kill and Miller, but the injury killed them there. Yeah, yeah, losing that time because of injury was was definitely a problem because you couldn't showcase them. You know, you had Butcher and Miller playing together in Vancouver on Sunday night, and it was just like they they didn't see a ton of ice time because they probably you know it's a lot of that's a lot of lost time uh, that they had and throwing them in against you know Vancouver who plays that high pace kind of style didn't really work in their favor very well in that game, which, you know, they, they, good thing for good thing. They have Rasmus Dahlin. We'll get to him later, but to me, it's Miller and it's Henestrosa. Those are the two guys that I think you, you kind of lose. You're losing out on getting a return there. Cause I, listen, I, I get it. You know, I, I tweeted out, you know, early in the afternoon saying anybody who doesn't have anybody who's not signed beyond this year, you can move them. Like you don't, you you can move them and not feel bad about it. You're not going to move everybody like, cause that's craziness and you know, getting a bunch of sixth round picks doesn't, you know, that's pointless, but you have guys, young guys that you're going to have coming at some point own power or guys that are in Rochester right now who probably shouldn't be in Rochester ever again. in Jack Quinn. So, you know, to me, you got to make room for those guys. And now it's like, Okay, like I mean, I get it. You're gonna sit. You're gonna scratch guys. You're gonna you're gonna have guys out of lineup. But like, what in the world? Like, how do you tell somebody that you didn't move who probably wanted to move? At least in Miller's case, that sorry, dude, you got to sit out because we're gonna play the brand new shiny star here. Like, that's if I'm Miller, I'm pissed beyond belief. It's 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 risky to do that. I agree with you, and I do wonder. Of course, full disclosure, I'm in Vancouver. I was not able to fly back in time for the deadline, so I was out mm-hmm. here today. But I would love to know if the salary salary retention was the reason why they didn't trade Colin Miller. Because in my opinion, I wonder if teams were saying, sure, we'll give you a fifth or a sixth for Colin Miller, but you got to retain half of, half of the salary, 50%. And I wonder if Kevin Adams just said, I'm not going to do that because what if I have an injury? Look at the blue line down in Rochester right now. Mm-hmm. We've barely heard Kevin Adams utter the name Mouskeri Laxon, and if he said it at all, I really don't think I have. So I don't think they're that high on him. Yeah, And they've had all sorts of injuries in the blue line. They don't want to get into a spot where they don't have enough guys. So I think that it's just insurance. I heard there wasn't a big market for Pissick because he's not 
tough to play against, difficult no, to play against. Like the Robert whatever. Hag types are in high demand now. Because the old of, Tim Murray reason why they moved yeah. him. He doesn't hit anybody, so get him out of here. The one okay. that I am with you on for sure is Vinny Hannes-Strohs because that opened that would have opened a spot for Jack Quinn. I'm at the point now, Joe, where I see Jack Quinn play against the American Hockey League competition. What's he doing down there? Yeah. It's a, it's a point and a half a game guy, yeah, man. It, it, like, it's, a, it's, a it's one and two every ball. night he's putting up. Like, okay. Like, I don't know what he's proving against these guys. And with the injuries down there and every, all the other factors, I don't think that that's a Calder Cup winning team right now. And I don't know if they're going to no. get healthy enough to get that to that point. So what are you doing holding Jack Quinn back? So, hey, Jack, I know you earned a spot in the NHL, but eh, we got this pending UFA. We're going to see how he, he sort of figures it out. Like, I think you gotta make you gotta find a way to make it work to get Jack Quinn on the roster right now. And they used three of their four recalls today to make Krebs, Samuelson, and Fitzgerald eligible for the a- the AHL playoffs. Like mm-hmm. that see, out of all everything, that's what's the most confusing to me. Cause I think Jack Quinn should be on this team right now. Even though mm-hmm. I like Benny Hindestroza, if he's willing to accept the contract that puts him in the bottom six role for next season, great, bring him back. But a top six spot, Jack Quinn has earned that opportunity. It's it's why I mean I get it. Like he's had mono, he's had injuries, he's got all that stuff. I get it. You want you want him to get games, but like he's like top twenty five in scoring in the AHL, and he's missed what 25, 26 yeah. games. Yeah. Okay. okay. <laughs> I mean, he's over a point a game. Like he's, he's making it look easy. Right. I it's any other team, any other season. He's he's not in the AHL anymore. He's in the NHL and he's playing and he's having success because the handful of games he played up here look pretty okay to me. Like that's you know that's you know very small sample size at this point. But I don't know. I, yeah, I just you're you're at the point with guys like that, and this is, translate to the guys that they're gonna have to think about signing once their college seasons are done. What more is there for him to prove at that level? And that's that's the big question when it comes to the development side of these guys. Like, you know, at least with Paterka, Paterka's putting up scoring numbers, you know, similar to Quinn, you know, as far as like in the amount and you know, game, you know, point per game, whatever, all that stuff. But at least we know why he's not up because there are still holes in his game. Like the offense is great, but if you can't trust him to be out there five on five, I mean, do you want to have the next Brandon Peary or do you want to have a complete player? And I say I love Brandon Peary, but like that dude's pure offense. You know you're sacrificing defense, back checking all the stuff if you're if you have him on your lineup, which I mean, hey, goals are great, but like if you had a guy that could be like your designated offensive player, like that's 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 essentially the role if you move if you move Paterka in the NHL right now, that's the way he plays. But like when you're looking at the, you know, you, you have to you have to get power signed. What else does he have to prove in the, in the NCAA? Nothing. Uh, Ryan Johnson, you could probably have him stay another year in Minnesota, but then you're you're to, you're walking him right to the point where he can pick where he wants to go. That's not good. Devin Levi, I mean, listen, he's just had his sophomore year at Northeastern. He's one of the one of the best goalies in the country at the NCAA level. Like, I don't think it matters how far Northeastern goes in this tournament, which. They might not be far, you know, they got to play Western Michigan in the first round. And like, what more does a guy like that have to prove? Like you you have to think about these things when it comes to development. In Quinn's case, he ain't got nothing else left to prove in the AHL. Like what you want to win an AHL MVP, be the next Corey Conacher? Like, no, that's not what you want. I'm going to make a lot of eyes, eyes roll by saying that I'm okay with them keeping Cody Eakin if the price wasn't right, because 
you don't want Krebs playing on the fourth line at fourth line center. They clearly no. don't think R2 is going to be in that spot long term. And Eakin's good. He's Eakin is very well liked in the room. He works with all the young centers on faceoffs every practice, puts a lot of extra time in. That sort of stuff mm-hmm. matters, right? And the contracts is what it is, whatever. Keep him for the rest of the year. But it's in Estroza. And another move I would have made, Joe, is I would have called the New Jersey Devils and said, hey, do you want Dustin Tokarski? We mm-hmm. want to create a spot for UPL. We're keeping Craig Anderson. We have Michael Hauser, who we can move to the American Hockey League. We want Dustin to have an opportunity in the NHL. You need a goalie. Let's make this work. And I know yeah. that Dustin was really good in Calgary, but again, I don't know that UPL has anything else left to prove in the AHL. Mm-hmm. He hasn't been good at that level for for a number of reasons, but he has a 9.15, 9.16 save percentage in the NHL. And you don't have to give him the heavy workload the rest of the season. You could say, right. hey, We'll swap starts with you and Craig. Spend as much time around Craig Anderson as possible. Learn his habits. Learn what he's doing. And this is going to end. It creates a spot in Rochester for Devin Levi, who needs to be signed as soon as Northeastern loses. Because you don't Mm -hmm. need two prospects in Rochester right now. You don't. You have one recall in Buffalo now. I don't understand what they're doing. You mentioned Ryan Johnson. If he doesn't sign at the end of his college season, it wouldn't shock me at all if he's traded in the same go. Like, Eric Portillo decision time is going to come soon too. And it wouldn't surprise yeah. me at all if, if they trade for a defenseman to play with Owen Power. Don't count out Eric Portillo being a part of that package now that they have Levi. And yeah. That's see, that's, that's, we talked about that conundrum yeah. before with Levi and Portillo. Now, a lot of teams around the league like Portillo. I've, I, I made some calls this week just because I was wondering when, if, if they were going to make a call about a defenseman, could Portillo be in play? And I was told, Teams really like Portillo and what he did this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's a he's a big kid. He's a big Swede. Yeah. He's got a great personality. Uh, he's he's classic, you know, affable goalie, and maybe not like quite as affable as like Linus Allmark, but like he's a really smart you know, kid. Yeah, and he's on the number one team in the country. So yeah. you know, and they look. Michigan looks ready to go, man. They look like they're ready to to roll on some people in the tournament. Which hey, the, the tournament gets weird. You know, uh, I, I'll, I'll always flash back to the 2009 NCAA tournament where three out of four number one seeds lost in the opening round. Yes. And then BU was the only number one seed that survived and they won the national championship that year in a game in which they came back from being down two goals in the last three minutes of the game to, t- to tie it and send it to overtime and then win in overtime against Miami. So like that stuff, like it, you know, there's, I mean, you have your weird things in the NCAA tournament, like you get your Holy Cross beating Minnesota, and nobody lets Minnesota forget about that ever, uh, because that's <laughs> that's an all timer. But like, you have weird things like that happen because it's just one game, and you get a hot goalie, you can you can win anything with a hot goalie or a team that you know can lock it down. So, but like Michigan, man, I'd be shocked if they if they if they're not in the Frozen Four, if they're not in the, the national championship game, like that would be. That would be pretty staggering if they're not. That there team at the end. is absolutely stacked. <laughs> I yes. mean, like, Hughes is awesome. Beniers, Johnson, Owen Power is a man playing against boys. And mm-hmm. like that goes back to Robert Hag, the one trade they did make that was made to open a spot for Owen Power. And mm-hmm. Kevin Adams can't say it yet, but they needed that spot on lefty because right when Power is ready, it's going to be Darlene Samuelson Power, Yoki Haru next to Darlene. 
either Bryson and, or Fitzgerald next to Samuelson, and they're going to put one of the two veterans, Miller or Pissick, they could have a rotation with power. Mm-hmm. I think that's the plan right now, as long as everybody stays healthy. Yeah, and, you know, it's it's good to have that kind of layout. It's just weird that, oh, you know, weird. this whole way everything has worked with this deadline and how everything's gone. Like, like, you can always see the finish line for how they want to do these things. It's just that they're taking a very strange route to get to where they want to get to be. And it's it's not exactly the most, it's, it's not not awkward. Like, it's, you know, because you're asking guys like Pesic and, and Miller to have to swallow a lot of pride and cycle in and out of the lineup and try to prove themselves. Like, both those guys want to, they, they want, they're going to sign contracts next year. They want to maximize what they want. If you have to split time with guys, I, if I'm either of them, I mean, maybe Pesic knows that he's going to resign in Buffalo. So, like, it doesn't matter. But, like, Miller, yeah, Miller can't wait sure. to run from Buffalo. And they're like, what kind of deal is he going to get next time? Like, you yeah. get like a one year, $1 million, like, show me contract, basically. Yeah, which is unfortunate because he was playing well before that injury. He really was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a lot better than anything we saw before him. And again, I won't n- mention the former coach's name because we swore, but the coach that came before Don Granado, I think that he impacted a little bit of Colin Miller as well. So, yeah, yes. it, it's it's the one thing. Yeah, Hinnestroza, I would have tried to move to Tokarski. That's one that didn't get mentioned today. They think that should have been done to open a spot for UPL. It's weird. It, it, it's weird. And now, I'm very interested to see how this all shakes out. Now, we mentioned trading Tokarski, and that that would have been the right move. But Anderson was the guy who was the most uh, marketable as far as being a guy that can help a team in a pinch if they if they're worried about health for their for their own goaltenders. And you know, he's the classic veteran who's playing having a good season on a good you know on a team that's not good, but like playing well regardless of that. And that was never really an idea. And I know I, I know Adams had said something along the lines of we had the discussion with, with Anderson. He you know gave us an idea of like some places he wanted to go, but he was happy to stay here anyways. And I can read through that a couple of different ways, like either Anderson's like, yeah, move me. But like I only want to go here, here or here or basically. Kevin Adams only heard, yeah, I'm ha- I, you know, I, I'm happy to stay here. And he's like, okay, good. Yeah. You're staying here. Like, that's what we want. We want people to be here. You know, like it falls into that old stupid marketing thing that they're, they've been pushing for the entire year. But um, it seemed weird that like, you know, cause again, you're looking for people that can maximize a return. Anderson seemed like a pretty good guy to do that because goalies were a need. And yeah, especially when you see Scott Wedgwood get traded for what a fourth round pick, like, okay. Reading reading between the lines, it really sounds like Anderson had a very short list of teams he wanted to go to. And I'm sure a big part of that was he didn't want to be in the same spot he was in Washington last year. He doesn't want to be a number three goalie. He wants yeah. to play. And there's very few opportunities out there. Like even Vegas, they want to give Logan Thompson games. You know, I think at Toronto at this point, the Sabres are never going to help Toronto. But right. I think Shelgren's the one that they want to see what they have there. The one spot that I think that Anderson might have made an exception for is Florida, and I don't, I don't think that they made it. Yeah, I, I can't mm-hmm. confirm, but I don't think they made an offer that would that was going to make that happen. So yeah. his family's the Flor- down there. I don't know. It's it's weird. Like you see, you see Nicole Anderson, her tweet before the deadline. It was sur- sure seemed like she was waiting to see where Craig was going to go next. Yeah, <laughs> it sure, sure seemed like she thought that something was coming and he was going to be either maybe coming back to Florida or somewhere else. Uh, and yeah, he's staying in Buffalo, which I mean, hey, listen, 
it, you can't get mad about it, about him sticking around. But like, I keep going back to one of the big reasons why they signed him was to have him work with UPL. And, not and he hasn't been able to do it all season. And now you don't even have a room for him in the lineup. Like, yeah. I, it just doesn't make any sense. I, I like the idea of keeping Anderson. I think it's great for a number of reasons, how important he's been behind the scenes. But I, like, I think you had you had to create a spot for UPL. I think mm-hmm. he's earned it. I think that with Levi coming out of Northeastern, you had to create a spot. I don't know if Adams was just nervous about trading a goalie and then having running out of goalies like they almost yeah. did almost two months ago at this point. But yeah, it's the goaltending thing. Like as much has been solved this year for this organization, you know, whether it's Thompson, Darlene, Cousins, Krabs, Tuck, they still don't have an answer in goal. Yeah. They don't like the UPL yeah. injury really sidetracked that entire thing. And now he's in Rochester having his struggles. I mean, Levi's been great Northeastern, but it's college hockey. And, mm-hmm. you know, until you do it in the pros and I don't know what their plan is going to be for Levi and Luke. And in. you got Portillo. That's a big question for me when it comes to this yeah. organization moving forward. Yeah. The, I, the, the number of college goalies that I've watched through the years that were unbelievably good college goalies that as soon as they turn pro, turned into pumpkins is it's a long list. <laughs> it's a very long list. I mean, hell, you don't even have to go far back in Sabres history. Jason Kasdorf was one of those guys. Yep. He was an outstanding goalie at RPI. Got He got hurt while he was at RPI, and I think that really sidelined anything that he was going to be able to do at the next level. But, like, the second he went pro – he wasn't he wasn't able to do it at any level. Like never mind the NHL. Like he got one NHL start, good for him. But he couldn't hack it at Rochester. He couldn't hack it at Cincinnati either. And then he was just like, you know what? I'm retired. I'm I'm good. Like I'm putting up eight eight fifty save percentages in Cincinnati. I don't I don't, I don't think I'm going to do this anymore. But like, you know, Levi's having a great season. But I mean, the number of guys that I saw play goal at Cornell. Like back in the day, that put up insane number, you know, 940, 950, 960 save percentages and never played pro hockey, like at all. That you're just like, how, how can they not? It happens. And I, you know, that's where I think if, you, if you're kicking around the idea of trading Portillo, it might be, be a sure. little dangerous. You better be sure. And, you know, I think that's where, you know, that, that, that's where they, they, they got it. They got to be absolutely sure. I think with Levi, it seems a little bit more sure than Portillo because Portillo didn't He's really more get those raw junior games. Te- yeah. Technical wise, if you watch, Portillo catches himself in some really bad spots. Like I've, mm-hmm. I've watched quite a bit of him this season and he does some things where you're like, man, you're better than that. Right. And mm-hmm. it's just, it's youthful stuff. But yeah, I think the question would have a um, Imagine if Levi would have played in the Olympics and you could have saw him in that competition, right? It's just, mm-hmm. it's really tough to determine if he's going to be ready or not. That's why he, you need to sign him after his college season is over and put him in Rochester and give him mm-hmm. games, right? Yeah. Because you, like, you, you got to know. Yeah, you got to know. You got to know. Yeah, it's, so, I mean, I guess in the, in the grand scheme of things, these are nice problems to have. But again, if they are problems... You got to get them figured out really damn fast. Like you can't just sit there and like whittle away time and say like, well, you know, we got to give him a shot. Well, he'll work it out. Well, you know, then three years down the road, you're like, well, this guy's a backup in the AHL, but you know, he, you know, we still feel, we still feel good about it. And he, he might come around. It's no, it's, it's over at that point. 
Yeah, and like if you're if you're keeping Quinn down in Rochester to win in Rochester, I didn't really hear that from Kevin Adams today. He didn't have a ton of optimism when it came to Rochester's playoff prospects when he spoke. Yeah. I don't know. Hey, it's deadline day. Your mind's in other places, but that wasn't communicated as the goal there. So what are we doing? <laughs> you know, what, what's the plan here? I don't get it because Quinn has mastered that level. Um, I feel like I'm talking in circles, but those are the big <laughs> – those are the big issues that I just come out thinking, what, what's the plan with those few guys? Yeah, I'm trying to figure out where Rochester fits into this whole thing as far as the playoffs go. Like their magic number is 35 points because they do points percentage yeah, for and playoffs. That division and... is taking five teams this year the way that they're doing the playoff setup. So they're in yeah. fourth place at the time of us recording, they're in, they're in a good spot. They're getting better goaltending. They need to get healthy. Apparently their back end's really banged up. I think Davidson went down with an injury now. So, mm-hmm. and no, they're yeah. not getting Samuelson or Fitzgerald back. I know Amherst fans are just, uh, they're so mad at me on Twitter for saying that Samuelson <laughs> and Fitzgerald should be in Buffalo. That Listen, yeah. that's, uh, I love our Amherst people. Yes, absolutely. They are a special, special breed though. They are, they <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't I don't want to get into like dogging on them but like they of many like, I, I'm sure this is the case with many AHL teams that have strong family like, I think of like places like Hershey Chicago like places like that where it's the AHL team is it like that you know they rally around that team Rochester rallies around the Amherst to a point where they're like no screw the NHL team you got to do it for us and it's like no 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 timeout guys no 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 no, no. That's, that's not how it works it's not, it's not how any of this works. AHL affiliates serve a different purpose than you want them to serve. <laughs> they're, they're not. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like people spend, people spend their good money for season tickets. I respect that, right? And that's their right. team. And I, Rochester has such a loyal fan base, which is awesome when you go to see games there. But mm-hmm. the big picture is you're there for development. You're there so young guys can develop. You're there right. so UPL can gain experience. You're there for Paterka to gain experience. And there's going to be difficult moments, but – that's part of it. That's why you're there. That's why they hired yeah. Seth Appert from the National Development Program right. and got rid of the guy <laughs> who was winning games. Like, and mm-hmm. Appert's done a great job. That's not my point. But, like, yeah. that's why they – Yeah. This yeah. is why they do things. This <laughs> is why, why they're doing it. That's why Don Granato's the NHL head coach because yeah. he knows how to develop guys, you know, to coach guys and knows how to do those my things. coaching but... staff in Rochester is awesome at it. Pekka, yeah. Weber, like, they've got a good group down there. So, yeah. yeah. I, I mean – I look at it this way. Rochester got a nice bonus that, you know, that they put Samuelson and Krebs and Fitzgerald on the, on the clear day so that they can play in the AHL playoffs. If, you know, if, if they're, you know, things get to that point where they can do that. Um, like that's enough of a bonus, but like, I think the trade-off there is like, yeah, no, no, we'll send those guys down, but Quinn's coming up for the rest of the year. So just deal with it. Yeah. You know, like that's, that, that's gotta be the, to me, that's gotta be the trade-off you know, cause you want to do right by your, by your fans there because, you know, technically they are Sabres fans too. I, I think some of them may not be, they might just be Amherst only, which I mean, Hey, cool for you, man. Like that's, that's great. But, but geez, you gotta, it's, I don't, I, I just, I, I don't know. Like, I, I think, I think Amherst fans have it good because these guys are stuck down there, you know, like they, they, you know, that they don't have an open door right, you know, right into Buffalo at this point because it's a fun of, team to watch. It, it's, yeah. it, they're a fun, the forward group in particular is really, they're fun to watch. They play fast. They've got, they've got a lot of skill They're They, they can be very enjoyable to watch. 
Yeah. I, I mean, geez, you're getting to watch Quinn, which I mean, hey, latch onto that because the last time they had guys that exciting in Rochester was when it was the the lockout year in 04, 05 when they had Pominville and Vanek and those guys down there playing in Rod, where I think it was. Yeah, I think they did. At least Pominville was, but like you had NHL level players playing in the AHL and Rochester went very, very far in the playoffs because they had them. Like that's a nice bonus to have, but it's the first time in a long time they've had like legit, really good players down there for an extended amount of time. Because in the past, anybody who's been worth their salt that much, they were there for a month and then they were gone forever. When Kevin Adams spoke to the media at the after the deadline on Monday, he stressed the importance of the final 19 games of the season. He wants to give this young core as much of an opportunity to not only win games, but you're going to develop through winning those games. I wonder, Joe, I want to hear your opinion on this, how much, if at all, his plan might have changed based on those wins Friday in Calgary and Sunday in Vancouver, because think about it. They lost 6-1 to in Edmonton. What if what if they had a similar loss Friday in Calgary? Are you really going to do the same thing? Or if you fall on your face again on Sunday? Like, I, I wonder, because I know that the wins over Toronto and Vegas, you know, the right. Toronto win in the Heritage Classic in particular were so big for this team. Mm-hmm. But still, with how inconsistent they've been, and, and Adams has mentioned in the past, I just wonder how those two wins and just the momentum and the culture that, that you're seeing behind the scenes, how much that yeah. might have influenced his decision here. Cause if you take Hinnestros, you know, not Hinnestros is a bad example, but mm-hmm. if you hit your depth and you end up having to call guys up from Rochester, maybe there's concern that that could impact it. But everything we heard before the fact was that there was no concern. So I'm, yeah. I'm just, what say you? The, I think if they were judging it based on beating Calgary in a freak, that's a freak win, by the way, like that, that game was bananas. And the, the Winning it the way they did was, you know, listen, I mean, it was a great effort. You know, Tukarski made this, uh, a handful of banana saves. Like, that's cool. But if you're basing doing it this way based on those two games, that is not any different of a mistake than past GMs have made, you know, thinking, no, this is we're going to do this because uh, we played really well the last two weeks. So we don't really see any need to make any moves or we're going to push in and add a couple of guys because we got hot for the last two weeks and, you know, uh, we'll use this to build and we'll, we'll do it this way. And it's like, no, no, if you're basing decisions like that, based on a, a week, a couple weeks of play, that's wrong. That is, that is a hundred percent wrong. Uh, listen, I, I respect the whole building a culture thing. I'm just, I'm so over hearing all that stuff. Like winning, winning creates a positive culture like that. You know, I, I don't care. You could have, the number of teams I could rattle off in my head right now that had awful cultures, awful rooms with awful people that won titles, but everybody was like, yeah, hey, they get along great. It's super. There's too many of those teams. Like, there's too many of those teams that were like that. Winning solves everything. If you win games, everybody's happy. So uh, if they're making decisions to not make moves and they want to, you know, keep the good, you know, keep the good vibes coming because they, you know, because they beat Toronto, they beat Vegas, and they, you know, win two out of three on the on the Western Canada swing. That's dumb. That that's that's really dumb. I, because I, to be you're you're missing, you're missing the point of what you're supposed to be doing to try to build things up, in the grand scheme of things. Like for for the end of one season, I mean, okay, like 
uh, like, all right, you're 25th in the NHL right now. Cool. Like, you know, you might be able to finish what 23rd, maybe. What does that mean? Like, it doesn't, I'm not saying to like just ditch games and lose like that's stupid, but like to like get on a hot streak at the end of the year and like move up just to like move up to like 23rd or 24, like 22nd, like, it doesn't matter like that, that. That to me is just it's it's nitpicking. And I don't know exactly what that solves, especially when you're going to have grumpy veterans in your room that now have to like swallow a lot of pride and, and be in a situation that maybe they didn't want to be in anymore. To me, it depends on how you're winning games. If you're winning in games at the expense of development, then no, it's not worth it. But if you're winning games and guys like Middlestad, Cousins, Krebs, Thompson, mm-hmm. I'll, I could keep going on. If they're getting better and they're getting valuable experience and sure. That's fine. And it doesn't impact your plan long term. But, you know, again, circling back, I don't understand what they're doing with Lukanen right now and him being in Rochester in that spot. Mm-hmm. Tokarski, great story, great guy. I, it would be, I'm sure you would be doing him a solid. Hey, go to New Jersey, you can get games in. Mm-hmm. I know we're not getting much in return, but we need to open a spot for, the, for a goalie that needs that experience over the last five to six weeks of the season. Then we could bring in Devin Levi. The goaltending plan doesn't make much sense to me. And the plan mm-hmm. for Jack Quinn right now does not make sense to me. You know, if yeah. you want to Cody Eakin, fine. That's, that's cool with me, whatever. But the other yeah. ones I don't get. And then, yeah, having maybe three extra defensemen is kind of uh, bizarre. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's not Rochester when they carried 10 defensemen and they made Casey Fitzgerald play forward and, you know, that's they're, they're... why they changed things at Rochester. Not because they were winning, because they weren't playing prospects. That's not happening now. <laughs> you know, you, you got to get Brandon Hickey those minutes on the in the in the defense pairs. Yeah. You got to let Casey Andrew, Fitzgerald play Andrew, forward. Andrew McWilliam. <laughs> but he's a big tough guy. He played at North Dakota. Come on, yeah. you know, yeah. you got to re- got to respect that or something. Or you know, he's a big heavy guy. Yeah, it's yeah. Learning learning from mistakes in the past should be the mo of everything, and, the goal, <laughs> and they're doing pretty okay at that. But like this whole thing one, now is the goaltending one for me is significant. Like mm-hmm. we could go back. I mean, Cal Peterson, you know the man, the way that Allmark was was handled in some ways, and then mm-hmm. now. You have a goalie who has had success in the NHL and you're just going to stick him in Rochester. And right now, they, I was told by Amherst fans that Arundel needs to play. We need to win games. Arundel's the one who needs to win. <laughs> he all needs to sit. It needs to be Arundel. Sorry, I uh, fell down laughing. I'm not uh, saying that. that to insult anybody who brought it up, but it's wrong. It's wrong. Like you need like <laughs> goaltending. <laughs> this organization has searched eight years for a goalie. You finally might have one. You want to sit him in Rochester? Bring him in Buffalo and give him games. I don't understand what is going on with the goaltending. I don't. So we got to play Aaron Dell and his 905 save percentage in the AHL. Cool. Kevin Great. Adams, Kevin Adams told me that hey, if, if, if Craig Anderson is interested in returning next season, we would have interest. That would be great okay yeah. it would be great to have him in a 1b scenario with lucan in but you you can't go into next season with lucan in as the 1a if you don't give him more experience this year so i don't and you're i don't know if they're going to want to give up assets to trade for a goalie they're certainly not going to give out term as a you know, free agent so are they going to be in the exact same spot next year with their goaltending 
Yeah. That is it's... my biggest question mark with this organization right now. I think they've done a lot of things the right way. Samuelson is near the top of the list for me with his development. We're going to get to the Dolly next, but the goaltending and I mean, again, like Dustin Tokarski, but there was an opportunity to move him to a team where he can go play games and go prove himself to, to get an NHL mm-hmm. deal next year and you can move your prospect up and they didn't do it. That's the one that doesn't make sense to me. I, 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 I it, this made me bring up the Rochester goalie stats because I needed to see for, for myself and I was off on Aaron Dell's save percentage. It's 907. So I was undercutting him by, by two thousandths of, of a save percentage point. So my bad. And like, I get it. Like Lukanen's numbers look crappy, but like he, you know, he had a very crappy first what month and a half, two months, I think it was like adjusting. Like They've, okay, they lineups with a bunch of ECHL guys. Their defense yeah. has been banged up. It's not. I mean, Lukanen's given up soft goals. There's no question about it. But that's oh, yeah. how you, it's goalie development. You got to ride the wave. <laughs> I uh, just based on games played, uh, Lukanen faces an average of 32 shots a game. That's bonkers yeah like that's that's sud that's worse than the workload that he got in Sudbury where he was assailed every game uh like that like that's that's nuts yeah like that's absolutely nuts and I'm just so I'm just being fair about things Aaron Dell two shots fewer so on average per game so I mean you know listen we know the defense hasn't been super in Rochester like on you know on the whole like they outscore a lot of their problems which is good that's that's a nice thing but it really hurt them to lose Samuel Fitzgerald <laughs> I mean yeah. which is those two are re- those guys are NHL players at this point mm-hmm. in my opinion that's that's a tough yeah. loss but yeah I mean just the fact the fact that they're like we need Aaron Dell to start game no yeah no you don't you no he. Aaron Dell was supposed to be the backup in Buffalo. He blew it. He blew it bad. He blew it really bad. And now, you know, like going to the AHL, he should not be your starter in the AHL. Like that, absolutely not. Yeah. And if you and if you are making him your starter, that's why they got rid of Chris Taylor. Like that's the exact that's the exact kind of move why they got rid of him. Like why they got rid of Pasco Pass guys. Playing veterans over the young guys, that goes completely against everything that they've talked about since since they hired Appert, since they hired Adams, all these guys. It goes against everything. Yeah, and I'm not saying you got to start UPL and back-to-backs or three and threes. Of course, he needs nights no. off. But, like, he, he's the, he needs to be the priority. All right? He mm-hmm. needs to be the priority. You know, if they miss the playoffs, that's tough. But this is about the long term. Right. And and he's de- he's delivered 56 safe shutouts. He, he's mm-hmm. played well at times. So I don't I think that you can't lose sight of that. You can't. Yeah. And this organization needs to figure out the goalie situation. And they I mean, I would have put UPL in the NHL as soon as possible because you got to figure out Porto and Levi. You got to figure out what you have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not too much pressure on UPL, but it's time to evaluate. Right. And you know, doing it based on like a handful of games every year for like the last what, two, three years. That ain't doing it, like, no. especially with different stuff and, fr- you know, different stuff going on in front of them. You know, a certain way a former coach played things before and, you know, the way things are now, like that's these are completely different situations with how things are played in front of them. And, you know, I, I much better team and much better team in front of UPL and Buffalo if he would have gotten the opportunity, you know, these last five weeks. Like, oh, absolutely. That's absolutely. A, it would have been a good situation. But Like the games that he played before, Darlene hadn't quite figured it out yet. Like Darlene was still like a little bit lost in the woods. Still was okay, but like he's not playing the way he is now. 
Like, <laughs> like you get that guy, the way he's playing now in front of UPL, things get a lot easier. And Samuelson, but yeah. I know we want to talk about Darlene because of the game in Vancouver in particular. Um, mm-hmm. This one seems like it was coming. It, 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 he's mm-hmm. been building toward that sort of, not only offensive game, but he was awesome defensively against the Canucks. He, uh, the puck handling thing to me and the confidence. I mean, we talk about this, this stuff with him all the time that, you know, the confidence is really showing through. It's like, you know, it seems like one of those intangible things, but it's like, no, watch the dude, watch how like the, everything leading up to that goal in overtime is, is Darlene being a boss with it. And just knowing that's not just being like, maybe I got a chance to do something here. It's like, no, him knowing I can win this. I can win this right now. And I had a couple a couple of friends point out he's been on like a different level since since coming back from the All-Star game which I think is an interesting demarcation line for things because he's just been an absolute horse since since the All-Star game and like maybe that kind of situation for a guy like him being around you know being one of the guys being around all these guys maybe that just gives gives it puts the the, the light go off in his head going like yes this is why I'm here this is why I belong there was so much unfair pressure. I mean, he was the number one pick, right? But right. I think coming in, playing for a coach like Phil Housley, and with the skill set Darlene had, he came with a lot of pressure to be the guy right away. And when mm-hmm. he didn't, when there were difficult nights and difficult expectations, I mean, Buffalo, it, it can be an echo chamber when a guy like that struggles. I mean, there's yeah. constant questions about it. What's wrong with Darlene? Why is he struggling in these situations? And I think Ralph Kruger really, and I'm sorry I mentioned his name, but we had. Oh, you, you did it. Ralph Kruger. Just don't say it two more times. It's like Beetlejuice. hurt Darlene's confidence with not only the way that he handled Darlene, but the way that he spoke about Darlene in the media was, mm-hmm. I mean, it's completely unnecessary. Um, I know that as reporters, we want candid comments, but to knock a guy down when he's that age and he's learning, yeah. you have to understand development. You have to understand players. There are certain guys you can challenge in certain situations, which Don Granado gets. When Darlene was struggling, did you hear mm-hmm. Don Granado saying, oh, yeah, that's not good. He needs to be better. No, Don Granado knew exactly how to, to communicate with Rasmus Darlene. All Rasmus Darlene needed to do was realize, oh, I can be this level of player this soon. I don't have to wait years from now. Mm-hmm. Going to the All-Star game, sitting down with Victor Hedman and being in that environment, yeah, I think that that is exactly what he needed. It opened his eyes to, yes, like I can be a shutdown defenseman. I don't have to just be this guy who can carry the puck and make plays. Like I can really take ownership in the play, my play without the puck and make a significant impact right now. Yeah, the uh, the, phys- uh, the the physical aspect of his game has, has started to come out too. And I, I that I... – I want to I want to know what that conversation was with him and Hedman because Hedman's a Hedman's a monster. Like he he should probably win the Norris again this year. Like he's been he could probably win it every year as far as I'm concerned. He's that good. But like that, you know, Swede to Swede getting that kind of, you know, being around him and and getting to hear like, you know, what it takes and getting maybe getting some pointers, getting some ideas from him on like what to do. You know, how have you handled this? How have you do? How did you do this? Blah, 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 blah. Because we were making those comparisons like side by side saying like, okay, well, here's where Victor Hedman was this many years along. And here's where Darlene is and trying to compare it and saying like, oh, this is a trajectory. And it's like, that stuff doesn't always work that way. But getting to learn directly from the guy that you're trying to maybe trying to emulate a little bit. Boy, that's a good thing. That's a real good thing. 
I think that it's funny because the the segment of the Sabres fan base that really loved Ristolainen because of the physicality and all those factors, those were the, the people who thought, no, Darlene's not tough enough. He, you know, yeah. I, we want him to play harder in front of the net. Mm-hmm. Pay attention to Darlene now because he drives he drives opponents crazy. I mean, you see Austin mm-hmm. Matthews. I mean, JT Miller was chirping at Darlene from the bench on Sunday night after that cross check to the risk. And Darlene just shook his head like, yeah, okay, buddy. Like, I mean, that's a, like, he's carrying himself with swagger that like, yeah, I mean, if you have a problem with me, like, okay, like, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm just going to play my game and I really don't care what you have to say. And he's going to push back. Like, and I know the people have a, a big issue with the Yoki Haru pairing because I mean, yeah. the numbers aren't great. Let's face it. Right. Um, the analytics with it, but I think that he needs continuity and, and Yoki Haru, at least at this point is it's somebody he feels really comfortable playing with. And for me, that's, mm-hmm. that's the most important thing. Put Rasmus in the position that, okay, this is the person I know how to read off of, and it's going to help him even get better. And I think it'll help Yoki Haru get better too, because I mean, Yoki Haru is, he's a good player, right? He's a good mm-hmm. player. I don't know if he's a 25 minute night guy, but yeah. he's a good player. I, uh, the the him being a pain in the ass for everybody is something that was very obvious every time they played the Bruins because him and Marshan would yeah. go at it constantly, which I get it. Like it's Marshan, he's running his mouth. He's you know he plays like a rat. I get it, but Darlene didn't give a shit. He would just <laughs> be like, "Whatever, man, I'm coming right back at you. Like I know you do this. I'm gonna I'm just gonna duel with you anyways." Like. Darlene doesn't matter it too. It's hilarious. <laughs> like he knows how to get under a guy's skin. Like when it, like Matthews, like, I mean, Dolly yeah. didn't have to, Dolly didn't have to mix up with Matthews in that particular situation, but he, he didn't care. Like yeah. you're coming in, you're coming into my team's net. I'm going to cross check you. So, yeah. And then Matthews handled it very poorly in return. So, you know, yeah. it's, it's a nice win for Dolly. I guess, as long as he, you know, since he, he didn't get hurt. So that's a win. I don't know. I, 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 you know, the all-star game is a, is a turning point. I think maybe also the, uh, the poker tips videos he was doing for the Sabres website were, were a turning point because <laughs> those, I, I mean, listen, it's cool to see fun stuff happening on the, on the media side of things from within the team, because it's been a little bit not fun. I mean, granted the team has done that, but Darlene's, <laughs> Darlene's, I, I, you know, because it comes from a guy you don't expect to have just being kind of a goof with it too. So like, that's, I don't know. No, it's like, I mean, make, make that a running series as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I think that he's a guy who likes showing his personality, right? I think he's yeah. getting more comfortable in his skin and, and a lot of times that helps you on the ice, right? Like getting yeah. more comfortable around the team and I'm, you know, he's never said it. I'm just wondering, you know, a lot of these, these guys, whether it's Thompson or Darlene without Jack and Sam there, I mean, you have to feel without there's more of a, a clean slate. Okay. Like I can, I can have more of an impact in the locker room. I can use my voice a little bit more. I can mm-hmm. sort of be myself because they walked in there and there was already sort of a culture built. Whereas mm-hmm. now they came in this training camp and it was clean slate. Let's make this what we want to make it. Yeah. And it, I think it's, and it's not so much like the Jack's a, yeah, you know, Jack's a poison guy thing. It's, it's a oh. personality thing. Jack's personality is a monstrous personality. Like, Every time he's in the room, you know he's in the room. Well, like, yeah. and every everything gravitates. You know, like maybe this is something that only we get because we, you know, we see it, you know, happen in the room ourselves. But like when Jack's in the room, all focus goes there. Like, you know, you'd be talking and, with other people, and then like the conversations 
get a little bit more hushed and everybody's kind of like, all right, what's Jack going to do? Like what's, what's happening there? Even, you know, even his best buddies, even like Sam would just, you know, looking over Jack. Okay. It like, used to be, but it used to be Jack and Bogo. Cause they sat. Oh yeah. This, mm-hmm. That's, that was <laughs> where those are two every, very big personalities. Yeah, My goodness. Like, I think it was just a different, it was just a different environment. I'm not saying it was toxic. Cause I, we can't again, no, we like, don't know. We have no idea, but it's I not just, like they're acting like, not like they're acting like, jack offs in front of us like no. that's the, that's that's the worst thing possible for him to do but i think just clean slate i mean think about if i mean i don't know how to translate that in everyday life but if you're walking to a, a room with a bunch of your buddies you can you can make it what you want to make it mm-hmm. right and i think that's what they've done this season which i think has gone a long way into building that culture that we're seeing and they've got really good people like we mentioned how Darlene mm-hmm. isn't afraid to mix up okay what cousins does yeah. Dylan Cousins isn't afraid of anybody. <laughs> no, he no, he's not. <laughs> like he doesn't care what you think. Like he's willing to drop the gloves against anybody in the league. Like you know, Bunting went to defend like Austin Matthews, and Dylan Cousins said, "Yeah, I mean, yeah, I would have fought you if you came about it a different way." Like, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cousin, uh, that's I, I want to say that's like the uh, the UConn mentality. Like just being like growing up in like a, you know growing up basically in the arctic so it's like <laughs> you're just the tough dude anyways yeah and, i wonder coming know. down from the yukon that he played a lot of turn coming down to vancouver a lot i wonder how mm-hmm. like a team from the yukon's probably sort of overlooked coming down to play bigger teams than british yeah. columbia you're, you probably have that chip on your shoulder right also he's the main guy on a he's probably the absolute best guy on a team from yukon because yeah. i mean I'm not going to put down anybody else he played with, but like he's the guy. So he's getting all the attention. So it's either stand up for yourself or get rolled. And yeah, he's, of course he's going to stand up for himself. And like having that kind of mentality in the NHL is huge because guys are going to test your limits. The guys are going to, you know, you're going to have your Martians out there trying to figure out like, are you going to stand up for yourself or are you going to cry to the ref? Like, let's, let's see how this is going to go. Are you going to like, you're going to try to punch me or, you know, you get to chirp <laughs> me back. Like what's, you know, how's this going to work? And Cousins is a, well, if you're going to throw something at me, I'm going to throw a shot back. So uh, be ready for it. Like, let's, hey, listen, that's the exact kind of guy the fans have been dying to have on this team for a long time. It's just just that Cousins isn't like a, you know, a giant monster physically. I mean, he's he's bigger than he was his rookie year, which that's good. But like he's he's still got some. He's, he's still going to get stronger, which is... He's so raw. His game is so raw. Like, when he puts it all together, it's going to be really interesting because the skill is there, the competitiveness is there. I'm He's a player that I'm really interested to see what he looks like a year from now and what steps mm-hmm. he takes because, yeah. I mean... The, and with, with the way that uh, things are going to grow with him and Krebs and uh, Middlestad and, you know, how things shake out with those guys, like, that's going to be... It's going to be very interesting to see how that dynamic plays out once everybody gets kind of settled in and squared away or in Thompson. Jesus. I keep, how do we forget the guy that's been the yeah. guy up front <laughs> crying out loud? Oh man. Yeah. Well, I, listen, we're, we're coming up on our time here. Yeah. You've got a very long day ahead of you, uh, getting back to, uh, Western New York. So, uh, this was, this was good to get back on the horse. Um, and you know, very happy to be, to be doing something a little bit normal again. So that's good. Thanks to the Sabres for having a quiet deadline so we could play catch up on everything that we missed out on. (laughs) You know, like can't really get mad at a quiet deadline, I I guess. I mean, I mean, 
unless you're sitting in the media room all day waiting for stuff to happen and then nothing happens. And then you're just kind of like, all right, just get the GM out here already, please just like <laughs> get this over with. So we can just write a, a, a very quick story and go home. But, uh, but yeah, no, this is, uh, it's good to be back. Everybody. Uh, we're going to get back into the normal flow of things here again. This, this is obviously not the normal day we were going to do things, but we didn't see much of a point of doing a podcast after the game last night with the deadline today on Monday. Like there would have been stupid. Everything we could have talked about last night could have been dead in the water by 3 p.m. Anyways, of course, it wasn't. We could have done it last night and everything would have been fine. But, you know, that, that that's fine. That's fine. It worked out perfectly. It worked out perfectly. Yes. Uh, that's going to be interesting five weeks here. Amherst, Sabres. Uh, maybe we'll be right about everything we just spoke about. Maybe we'll be wrong, Joe. I don't know. Yep. Okay. Uh, Johan Larson Listen. to the Washington Capitals, the move of the day. Oh, grumpy Larry in the playoffs. I can't I wait for it. him. I'm so happy for him. Yeah. I, I, I'm so happy for him. I am tickled by that. And our good pal Mojo going back to Washington, too. Eh. I know. Well, I probably wasn't too many of our pals, but well, I mean, Mark, Mark I'm happy Johan, for him. Marcus Johansson, one time in, in interviews brought up the fact that he was having trouble with his shot because of his stick. It was one of those like post-game comments where you're not going to make him mm-hmm. on, ask him to elaborate on it right away. So I think me and Bill Hoppy went to him the next day and asked him about it. And he got offended. Don't ask me about my stick. <laughs> <laughs> and one time I got too close to his bag right before a road trip. And he mm-hmm. was not happy about it. I was talking to Victor Olsen. I'm sorry, Marcus. Yeah, Marcus nice. Johansson, not my biggest, not yeah, not my biggest fan. That's for sure. Well, but that's best of luck um, in Washington, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Larry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, listen, they got enough Swedes now in 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 DC to to make it. Uh, that, uh, I I don't know. Maybe it was Nick Backstrom saying like, "Get me my friends back here. I want to. I want to. I want to play with these guys because I know Johan and Backstrom are, are pals. So like that's. That, that's that's a that's a fascinating dynamic. Maybe we can get maybe we can get maybe we can get Larry in the next commercial with with. Uh, well, actually, no, they're taking Ovechkin's commercials off the air, so never mind. Never mind. We'll we'll stay away from that. We're not going to discuss Larry that anymore. <laughs> Larry and Nick and Nick Backstrom. Oh man, that's a that's a Laurel and Hardy setup. It's or like actually, no, maybe. Comedy. Yeah, let's David Spade and Chris Farley. Let's get somebody that you know a comedy pair that you know was from this century. I don't know. John C. Riley and Will Ferrell. I'm good with that. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, yeah, I don't know which one would be Larry. I don't know. I mean, John C. Riley. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's more Larry. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Although Will Ferrell, when doing an angry, angry voices, that's that's pretty good too. I don't know. We'll figure it out later on. Uh, Lance, uh, tell the, tell the good fans, uh, listening in where they can find you on the internet. Of course. Uh, at the Buffalo News, of course, online and print. And on Twitter, L-L-Y-S-O-W-S-K-I. Joe, obviously, very good to have you back. Um, glad that, you know, back at it. Good to have you back in Buffalo. Um, mm. tell, the, tell the folks where you can where they can find you. Well, you can certainly find me on Twitter. It's very easy, at Joe Yerdon, J-O-E-Y-E-R-D-O-N. Uh, noted Hockey... Listen, it, everything's been on hiatus. Okay, uh, there will be. I will be firing up the Jets at uh, Noted Hockey again soon. But Noted Hockey at Substack, uh, you can find that there. Uh, other assorted places that I'll be getting back into the flow of things soon. Uh, but 
yeah, that's that's where you can find me on the internet. Uh, thanks, Lance. This was good. Yeah. Uh, we'll get it. We'll get back at it again uh, on uh, a few days from now, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but thanks, everybody. Uh, it's good to be back. And thanks for listening. And uh, have a good one. Enjoy things. Bye.